For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. The United States Constitution mandates that every 10 years, the federal government count every person living in the United States. For the 2020 census, New York State residents are falling behind in responding, and there is a lot at stake. In New York City, the push to be counted is in full force, and labor is playing an important role. The New York City Central Labor Council has been working hard to get the word out about the importance of filling out the 2020 census. Joining me on the phone from New York City is the political director of the New York City CLC, Lucia Gomez. Lucia, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. This is great. So I know you've been busy with an educational campaign on the 2020 census, and I would imagine part of that is simply explaining to people what the census is and why it's important. So to start, can you talk to me about that? What is the census? So the census is a every 10 year count of the entire U.S. population. It is not a, a sampling. It is not a just a, a survey of a small segment of the population. It is a person-to-person count across the country that is mandated by the U.S. Constitution. Um, it is what is utilized in order to reapportion congressional seats throughout the country. So we have 435 congressional um, delegation. And as a result, New York State has 27 of those uh, seats. So it's a way of reallocating a number of congressional seats, as well as reallocating uh, funding that comes from the federal government to states and localities based on the number of people who live in those locations. So uh, the Central Labor Council has been um, working through um, the amazing work of our affiliates throughout the city through a a project called Labor Counts, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, getting out, ensuring getting out the count and making sure that our members are aware and have uh, their questions answered about the importance of the census and why it's critical uh, for them to respond and how secure and safe it is, especially if they uh, choose to do it online. So when we talk about um, money and representation in Congress, I mean, this is money to, excuse me, fund things like, um, go ahead. Yeah, education, bridges, tunnels, right? Things that are infrastructure rebuilding. We're talking about um, funding for health programs, especially now that we're in the midst of of a global pandemic. I mean, the reality is that this is a way for us to understand how many people live in a particular part of the city, uh, neighborhood, so that we can create more housing, so that we can have more seats in classrooms for children. I mean, you name it, census data is utilized even by businesses to determine, you know, how to market to communities, um, how to, you know, whether or not you need another bank in a certain area. They use the census data, the Senio, as the baseline for building on other census um, information that's gathered throughout the rest of the decade. So here we are at that, you know, 10 years. So we're at the uh, count again. Is New York already lagging behind on the count compared to where we were 10 years ago? Yes, I mean, we know that this was bound to happen. Um, we were planning for this way before uh, COVID was announced, right, in terms of everything that we've seen happen in terms of the shutdown. Um, but, you know, the state of New York is currently 
approximately at about 58%. It was about 64%. And those percentages just mean the response by individuals on their own Mm -hmm. to uh, respond to the census. These are the response rates that they call them that are happening and that we see them um, being calculated now by the Census Bureau and provided to everyone else. It is a way for us to determine what areas need um, a bigger push, more messaging, right? More marketing on the census. But the state of New York is currently at 58%. The city of New York is almost at 54%. Um, And then, you know, depending on neighborhoods, you can get, you know, at a smaller neighborhood, maybe a zip code, and the numbers either go down or go up depending on some, you know, factors that determine that. And, you know, we've heard in the past response rates have been historically low in immigrant and poor neighborhoods. Is that still the trend for this count? You know, interestingly enough, you could have certain uh, much smaller neighborhoods. And we're we're seeing that in parts of like Corona and, you know, Elmhurst and in Queens, as an example, Um, also parts of central Brooklyn. But it is not necessarily the um, the trend at this juncture. We see a lot of places like, you know, the Upper East Side, Upper West Side, um, neighborhoods in some of the wealthier parts of the city, the South, in terms of the financial district, that a lot of people have left the city um, or continue to stay wherever they were during the winter and did not return into the city come the spring. And therefore, you know, we're missing a lot of households that have not responded as a result of that. And that is obviously of a concern. We're still focused on neighborhoods that perhaps have not, uh, because they were also um, dealing with COVID and a lot of infections in certain key neighborhoods. And again, I repeat Elmhurst, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of Corona and Elmhurst, that was a, a hotbed for a lot of infections. And, you know, we understand why that was lasting on people's minds was to fill out that form. But the reality is that a lot of the reminders and a lot of the information the Census Bureau sent was all targeted during the middle of March towards the middle of April. Mm. And, you know, they had to shift their operation. We all had to shift our operations. And now anyone can respond online or over the phone between now and the end of, uh, of, well, by October 31st is the last date. So talk to me about shifting that um, your game plan a little bit because of COVID-19. Like, what is the CLC doing the same and what are you doing differently because of this? Well, the Central Labor Council partnered with the Consortium for Worker Education in the city. It is one of our, you know, workforce partners. And they were one of the New York City grantees. Uh, through that operation, the uh, Consortium for Worker Education launched at the start of the year, um, we were able to hire about 10 um, organizers to, initially, it was to get people enumerated, you know, out in the street, right, in the public, through the workforce classes in the classrooms where individuals were getting English classes, right, Um, other um, type of workforce development courses. As a result, we had to shut down that kind of face-to-face outreach operation and actually um, begin to do a targeted phone bank and try to reach individuals over the phone. Um, Also through that operation, uh, we did a lot of work with our affiliates to get them all the information they needed so that they can reach their members in their workplace. I mean, we must have had three different workshops at hospitals 
about oh, two really? weeks prior, two weeks prior to the shutdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were at Brookdale. We were in a uh, Harlem hospital. Uh, we were in another hospital in the Bronx. I mean, you know, our, our approach through some of our affiliates was, you know, speaking to members in their place of work and trying to get them to, in turn, work with the public to remind them on how to do the census. But something as simple as wearing a button, uh, a lapel, you know, pin or mm-hmm. a button that says, you know, reminding people about the census could not even be done during COVID, um, some of the, the biggest times of the outbreak, because, you know, nurses and doctors specifically um, you know, just weren't allowed to bring in outside stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to get that infected and bring that home. So uh, little things like that, we had to shift. We returned more to digital and social media and, you know, people were home and, and we were able to make calls, you know, as early as 11 in the morning, as late as eight at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've definitely, you know, started to target that a little less and starting to work in the food pantries uh, for those that want to volunteer, right? And, mm-hmm. and provide PPE, but, you know, we definitely had to shift to a more digital and personable approach over the phone. The amazing part is the way in which labor has that relationship with their members where, you know, we already have a built-in trust and relationship and we can answer the questions over the phone uh, with some individuals. We, we, we got amazing responses over the phone of people either said, yes, of course I did it already. I got the mailer from my, you know, from my union or others who had questions, right? They were waiting for that paper questionnaire to come from the census and that paper questionnaire may not have arrived it may have arrived but it's not coming back so people have a choice they can either work on the phone mm-hmm. right do their form uh, online or they can do it over the phone um, but as of august 11th the census is going to come knocking on their door if they have not already done that so they can't that's what i was wondering because i know that's you know great way face to face and that door knocking that always works but because of covid I was wondering if you can go ahead with that. So you will be doing that? So not not the Central Labor Council, right? Um, the Central Labor Council nor community partners will necessarily be out there. I mean, the U.S. Federal Census Bureau will the begin the takers. enumeration. Okay. That's right. Their enumeration process will begin August 11th. Okay. And so we're in the midst of census week of action, right? Mm-hmm. This is the, you know, right before leading up to August 11th, folks want to make sure that they're not on the Census Bureau's knock list. Mm-hmm. If you're right, if you have not filled out the form, then you're going to get into their roster of households they need to knock. And the reality is we don't want to put even these census takers who are part-time workers, individuals that applied before, you know, all of this took place, Mm -hmm. you know, as side work. And it's great, you know, it's great side money for a lot of different individuals who have this experience. We don't want necessarily want to put them in harm's way or at risk in being out and about knocking on households of people they don't know, Mm -hmm. um, trying to get. And not a lot of times people are going to open, right? Because, you know, we don't want a stranger at our door. Um, You know, how are you going to keep six feet while your door is open. There's a lot of concerns uh, with the process going forward. And so the effort right now is to make sure that whoever hasn't filled out their form, make sure you do it over the phone so, or uh, online. And it's so you guys, it sounds like you've been pretty successful with your digital um, campaign um, and your meetings. And I know one of the things the city has done is to use kind of some star power to appeal to younger people to explain the importance of all of this. 
um, like an ad featuring Cardi B. Cardi B here to talk to you about your civic duties in 2020. Your community's future is in your hands, not just for the next four years, but for the next decade. The 2020 census decides how much power, money, and respect our city gets. In past censuses, black and brown communities have been undercounted and unseen. The census is for everyone regardless of immigration status. Um, any, yeah. any indication of uh, how effective something like that has been in kind of reaching a different audience? You know, I'm not sure what the metrics have been on the city side, right? Because the city put together those things like Cardi B and they also put one of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton uh, together. I think, and, and AOC, you know, uh, Alexandra, you know, the Congresswoman Alexandra mm-hmm. uh, Cortez was actually on um, one of those same videos with uh, Lin-Manuel. I think it's, I think it's great this time around in particular, different from what I saw in 2010 and what I saw in 2000, where everyone has stepped on and stepped up and said, this is about all of us. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that w- that's the messaging um, that I think was important in getting someone like Cardi B. You know, she's busy. Right. right. I, w- I would say she even has a newborn, that type of thing. I mean, she's busy. And yet, you know, for her, it was important to use her name, her brand and her responsibility to say everyone needs to get counted. She's from the Bronx. There's parts of the Bronx that are doing great. There are other parts of the Bronx that, you know, are not um, as high as others. And we see right now that places like the Bronx is about 55 percent of a response mm-hmm. rate. You know, we need to get that up. We need to get that as up as as high as 80 percent as possibly, you know, as fast as we can in order to ensure that not many people are out in those streets. So last year, President Trump tried to include a citizenship question on the census and then eventually had to back down. Are you a citizen of the United States of America? Oh, gee, I'm sorry. I just can't answer that question. And that's after Do spending you think just that talk of the Trump administration trying to add that question had an effect? I I mean, I definitely think that the intrusion by the federal government on something as sensitive as whether or not a person is a U.S. citizen or not had the effect of, you know, getting people to be scared to respond. I think it had the effect both on individuals that are not citizens, as well as citizens who live in households that are mixed or fear that the federal government is using the census to intrude on things like documentation, like how many people are living in their households. It just gave a bad vibe Mm -hmm. to the census in general as a source of information so that they can target people. And unfortunately, you know, that's the world that we're living in right now, where there's a continuous mistrust with Mm -hmm. the the government federal more so than any than any other government right now and so we need to dispel that i mean the census is safe right um you cannot you can be fined if you're an enumerator if you um you know take an information and share that information there's a hefty fine for census workers as well as the census bureau there's challenges against the census bureau ever being able um, to use that data outside of the purpose of the data being collected. And so I think even President Trump has tried to find a way of incorporating citizenship information. Again, reallocation of power, and that's political power, and reallocation of resources and funding. And this is why they, they wanted that information in there, not for any other reason. 
And now there's a presidential memorandum that seeks to exclude counting undocumented immigrants while determining congressional representation. A memo from President Trump about the 2020 census has many organizations concerned about how that will affect undocumented immigrants. Advocates so are you concerned about that at all? Absolutely. I mean, I think any state should be concerned by that. We do definitely have a lot of uh, diversity in our communities, especially in New York City, where we're an open, you know, we're a worst city that is open to having all kinds of folks, right? And whether or not someone is undocumented or not doesn't prevent them from having certain rights in this country. And as a result, having less political representation, having less, you know, congressional representation specifically um, is not necessarily what New York City needs or deserves. And so, yes, we're, we're concerned that they may have a heightened impact on how many seats we will lose in New York City. And you said at the, the top of this, yeah, and you said at the top of this recording, I mean, everyone counts. That's the whole point. So um, let's talk about um, some specifics on what people should expect when they fill out the census. How long sure. typically uh, does it take? I mean, do some people even just say, oh, I don't have time for this? How, how long are we talking? It's about, it's about 10 minutes. And what kinds of it's questions? 10 questions. 10 questions. Yeah. 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 10 questions. Oh, I, I mean, I, I usually had, I had a little bit of a, of a tussle about hmm, what race am I? Right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I am Latina and Latinos get two questions to respond in terms of demographics. You get the race question and then you get the ethnicity question, mm-hmm. but there's basic questions such as, you know, gender. And there's only two categories for female, male, mm-hmm. you get your name, you get your address, you get your date of birth so that they can calculate age. And they ask you whether or not you're, you know, head of household or what your role is in that household. And then when you fill it off for the next person, you need to say whether or not that person is a, is a child, son, daughter, whatever the case is, or spouse, partner. And it provides you an opportunity to say whether or not you're, you know, you're married or it's a domestic partner or it's some other. So there's a couple of categories for that that folks can choose from. And then for the most part, you know, that's it. They're asking for your main information in terms of demographics. Mm-hmm. And I re- I got my form in the mail. I don't, it was back, you know, like March or April. And I, I filled it out and sent it in. So I've forgotten even what it even asked me. I just turned it around. But um, I know I, you know, there was this first deadline was like April. Right. And now it's been moved. So and you I think you said October 31st. So does that add to the confusion Correct. for people that they're thinking, oh, I thought we were done with this. Now I can still fill it out. Did that cause some confusion? I don't I think people have been procrastinating, you know, they may have gotten the form, they were like, this is the least of my worries for me to provide information. I think the other piece was that once they, you know, they got you know, the information again for them to fill it out. Uh, they didn't have the official uh, piece of paper from the Census Bureau that perhaps had, because now you can fill it out online and it has a 12-digit census ID. Some folks felt that, well, I can't find the census ID. Let me just wait for the enumerators to come knocking on my door. Mm. And the reality is that you don't need the census ID in order to do it. All you need is your address, right? And so census is, you got to take it as something as simple as that they have a list of all these addresses. They don't have your name mm-hmm. or who lives in that particular address. They just have all these addresses. If address one, you know, fills out their form, they just check it off and move on to address two. If address two does it, they check that off. Mm-hmm. And so folks 
should not have to wait for an enumerator to come knocking on the door to do this. They can do it all over the phone or online and they can get this done. It's 10 minutes. I literally did it on my phone um, on the 12th of March when the when it became live on the census website. Mm-hmm. There's different languages. There are about 12 different languages folks can choose from to be able to have the phone online. There's a digital guide uh, in terms of a language guide that folks can also use if that's needed. But over the phone, they also have a couple of options that they can speak to an enumerator over the phone who will take that info as well. All right. Well, Lucia, any other uh, final message to try to push folks along who haven't already done this? I guess, I mean, the number one would be to go to my2020census.gov. That's where they can go to fill out their form immediately. Mm -hmm. If they don't have their 12-digit census ID, then they just need to click and say they don't have it and then go straight to providing their address. Okay, well, all right. Lucia Gomez, thank you for coming on the podcast and for all the hard work you and everyone there at the New York City CLC does on behalf of the labor movement and under the leadership of President Vinny Alvarez. Thank you very much. It's really important work. Oh, this is great. Thank you for having me. Joining me on the line now is our digital director and the editor of the podcast, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. So this is um, important stuff. People have to realize they can still be counted and we want everybody to be counted. So good information there. Absolutely. It seems like really everything's on the line. Representation, money, Mm -hmm. funding. I mean, it's very, very, very important. Especially when we see what's going on now. Boy, is it important. So um, there's a, uh, Lucia mentioned um, a website. Can you just remind folks, um, and you have some other information on how they can just kind of let people know that they've already filled this out and where they can get more information? Yep. The website is laborcounts2020.org. And uh, the big thing too is to you know, use it on social media, right? Like talk to your friends, family, coworkers, everybody you know, mm-hmm. and try to get them to fill out the census and use the hashtag labor counts uh, so that we can really get the information out there. If you want to make a phone call uh, for any questions you have, you can call 1-844-330-2020. And for Spanish listeners, 844-468-2020. Okay, good. And and as Lucia pointed out, there's you know, so many different languages available to people, too. So there's really no excuse. We just need people to fill this stuff out. All right. Very good. So thank you, Kevin. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.